Section 11 of Treaties on Light by Christian Huygens, translated by Sylvanus P. Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Avai in January 2013. Chapter 6, Part 1 On the Figures of the Transparent Bodies which Serve for Refraction and for Reflection. After having explained how the properties of reflection and refraction follow from what we have supposed concerning the nature of light and of opaque bodies and of transparent media, I will here set forth a very easy and natural way of deducing, from the same principles, the true figures which serve, either by reflection or by refraction, to collect or disperse the rays of light as may be desired. For though I do not see yet that there are means of making use of these figures, so far as relates to refraction, not only because of the difficulty of shaping the glasses of telescopes with the requisite exactitude according to these figures, but also because there exists in refraction itself a property which hinders the perfect concurrence of the rays, as Mr. Newton has very well proved by experiment, I will yet not desist from relating the invention, since it offers itself, so to speak, of itself, and because it further confirms our theory of refraction, by the agreement which here is found between the refracted ray and the reflected ray. Besides, it may occur that someone in the future will discover in it utilities which at present are not seen. To proceed then to these figures, let us suppose first that it is desired to find a surface CDE, which shall reassemble at a point B rays coming from another point A, and that the summit of the surface shall be the given point D in the straight line AB. I say that, whether by reflection or by refraction, it is only necessary to make this surface such that the path of the light from the point A to all points of the curved line CDE, and from these to the point of concurrence, as here the path along the straight lines AC, CB, along AL, LB, and along AD, DB, shall be everywhere traversed in equal times, by which principle the finding of these curves becomes very easy. So far as relates to the reflecting surface, since the sum of the lines AC, CB ought to be equal to that of AD, DB, it appears that DCE ought to be an ellipse, and for refraction, the ratio of the velocities of waves of light in the media A and B being supposed to be known, for example that of 3 to 2, which is the same as we have shown as the ratio of the signs in the refraction, it is only necessary to make DH equal to 3 halves of DB, and, having after that described from the center A some arc FC, cutting DB at F, then describe another from center B with its semi-diameter BX equal to two-thirds of FH, and the point of intersection of the two arcs will be the one of the points required through which the curve should pass. For this point, having been found in this fashion, it is easy forthwith to demonstrate that the time along AC, CB, 
will be equal to the time along AD DB. For assuming that the line AD represents the time which the light takes to traverse this same distance AD in air, it is evident that DH equal to three halves of DB will represent the time of the light along DB in the medium, because it needs here more time in proportion as its speed is slower. Therefore, the whole line AH will represent the time along AD, DB. Similarly, the line AC or AF will represent the time along AC, and FH being by construction equal to three halves of CB, it will represent the time along CB in the medium, and in consequence, the whole line AH will represent also the time along AC, CB. Whence it appears that the time along AC, CB is equal to the time along AD, DB. And similarly it can be shown, if L and K are other points in the curve CDE, that the times along AL, LB, and along AK, KB are always represented by the line AH, and therefore equal to the set time along AD, DB. In order to show further that the surfaces which these curves will generate by revolution will direct all the rays which reach them from the point A in such wise that they tend towards B, let there be supposed a point K in the curve, farther from D than C is, but such that the straight line AK falls from outside upon the curve which serves for the refraction. And from the center B, let the arc KS be described, cutting BD at S and the straight line CB at R, and from the center A, describe the arc DN meeting AK at N. Since the sums of the times along AK, KB, and along AC, CB are equal, if from the former sum one deducts the time along KB, and if from the other one deducts the time along RB, there will remain the time along AK as equal to the time along the two parts AC, CR. Consequently, in the time that the light has come along AK, it will also have come along AC and will in addition have made, in the medium from the center C, a partial spherical wave, having a semi-diameter equal to CR. And this wave will necessarily touch the circumference KS at R, since CB cuts this circumference at right angles. Similarly, having taken any other point L in the curve, one can show that in the same time as the light passes along AL, it will also have come along AL, and in addition will have made a partial wave from the center L, which will touch the same circumference KS. And so with all other points of the curve CDE. Then at the moment that the light reaches K, the arc KRS will be the termination of the movement which has spread from A through DCK. And thus this same arc will constitute in the medium the propagation of the wave emanating from A, 
which wave may be represented by the arc dn or by any other nearer the center a but all the pieces of the arc krs are propagated successively along straight lines which are perpendicular to them that is to say which tend to the center b for that can be demonstrated in the same way as we have proved above that the pieces of spherical waves are propagated along the straight lines coming from their center and these progressions of the pieces of the waves constitute the rays themselves of light it appears then that all these rays tend here towards the point b one might also determine the point C, and all the others in this curve which serves for the refraction, by dividing DA at G in such a way that DG is two-thirds of DA, and describing from the center B any arc CX which cuts BD at N, and another from the center A with its semi-diameter AF equal to three-halves of GX or rather, having described as before the arc CX, it is only necessary to make DF equal to three halves of DX, and from the center A to strike the arc FC. For these two constructions, as may be easily known, come back to the first one which was shown before. And it is manifest by the last method that this curve is the same that Mr. Descartes has given in his geometry, and which he calls the first of his ovals. It is only a part of this oval which serves for the refraction, namely the part DK ending at K if AK is the tangent. As to the other part, Descartes has remarked that it could serve for reflections, if there was some material of a mirror of such a nature that by its means the force of the rays, or, as we should say, the velocity of the light, which he could not say since he held that the movement of light was instantaneous, could be augmented in the proportion of three to two. But we have shown that in our way of explaining reflection, such a thing could not arise from the matter of the mirror, and it is entirely impossible. From what has been demonstrated about this oval, it will be easy to find the figure which serves to collect to a point incident parallel rays. For by supposing just the same construction, but the point A infinitely distant, giving parallel rays, our oval becomes a true ellipse, the construction of which differs in no way from that of the oval, except that FC, which previously was an arc of a circle, is here a straight line perpendicular to db for the wave of light dn being likewise represented by a straight line it will be seen that all the points of this wave traveling as far as the surface kd along lines parallel to db will advance subsequently towards the point b and will arrive there at the same time as for the ellipse which served for reflection, it is evident that it will here become a parabola, since its focus A may be regarded as infinitely distant from the other, B, which is here the focus of the parabola, towards which all the reflections of rays parallel to AB tend. And the demonstration of these effects is just the same as the preceding. 
but that this curved line CDE, which serves for refraction, is an ellipse, and is such that its major diameter is to the distance between its foci as 3 to 2, which is the proportion of the refraction, can be easily found by the calculus of algebra. For DB, which is given, being called A, its undetermined perpendicular DT, being called X, and TC, Y, FB will be A minus Y, CB will be the square root of X squared plus A squared minus 2AY plus Y squared. But the nature of the curve is such that two-thirds of TC together with CB is equal to DB, as was stated in the last construction. Then the equation will be between 2y divided by 3 plus square root of x square plus a square minus 2ay plus y square and a, which being reduced gives 6ay divided by 5 minus y square equal to 9x square divided by 5. That is to say that having made DO equal to 6 fifths of DB, the rectangle DFO is equal to 9 fifths of the square on FC. Whence it is seen that DC is an ellipse of which the axis DO is to the parameter as 9 to 5, and therefore the square on DO is to the square of the distance between the foci as 9 to 9 minus 5, that is to say 4, and finally the line DO will be to this distance as 3 to 2. Again, if one supposes the point B to be infinitely distant, in lieu of our first oval, we shall find that CDE is a true hyperbola, which will make those rays become parallel, which come from the point A. And in consequence, also those which are parallel within the transparent body will be collected outside at the point A. Now it must be remarked that CX and KS become straight lines perpendicular to BA because they represent arcs of circles the center of which is infinitely distant. And the intersection of the perpendicular CX with the arc FC will give the point C one of those through which the curve ought to pass. And this operates so that all the parts of the wave of light DN coming to meet the surface KDE will advance thence along parallels to KS and will arrive at this straight line at the same time, of which the proof is again the same as that which served for the first oval. Besides, one finds by a calculation as easy as the preceding one, that CDE is here a hyperbola of which the axis DO is four-fifths of AD and the parameter equal to AD. Whence it is easily proved that DO is to the distance between the foci as 3 to 2. 
these are the two cases in which conic sections serve for refraction and are the same which are explained in his dioptrique by descartes who first found out the use of these lines in relation to refraction as also that of the ovals the first of which we have already set forth the second oval is that which serves for rays that tend to a given point in which oval if the apex of the surface which receives the rays is d it will happen that the other apex will be situated between b and a or beyond a according as the ratio of ad to db is given of greater or lesser value and in this latter case it is the same as that which descartes calls his third oval now the finding and construction of this second oval is the same as that of the first and the demonstration of its effect likewise but it is worthy to remark that in one case this oval becomes a perfect circle namely when the ratio of ad to db is the same as the ratio of the refractions here as three to two as i observed a long time ago the fourth oval serving only for impossible reflections there is no need to set it forth as for the manner in which mr descartes discovered these lines since he has given no explanation of it nor any one else since that i know of i will say here in passing what it seems to me it must have been let it be proposed to find the surface generated by the revolution of the curve KDE, which, receiving the incident rays coming to it from the point A, shall deviate them toward the point B. Then, considering this other curve as already known, and that its apex D is in the straight line AB, let us divide it up into an infinitude of small pieces by the points G, C, f and having drawn from each of these points straight lines towards a to represent the incident rays and other straight lines towards b let there also be described with center a the arcs gl cm fn do cutting the rays that come from a at l m n o and from the points k g c f let there be described the arcs k q g r c s f t cutting the rays towards b at q r s t and let us suppose that the straight line h k z cuts the curve at k at right angles then AK being an incident ray, and KB its refraction within the medium, it needs must be, according to the law of refraction which was known to Mr. Descartes, that the sine of the angle ZKA should be to the sine of the angle HKB as 3 to 2, supposing that this is the proportion of the refraction of the glass or rather that the sine of the angle kgl should have this same ratio to the sine of the angle gkq considering kg gl kq as straight lines because of their smallness but these signs are the lines kl and gq 
if GK is taken as the radius of the circle. Then LK ought to be to GQ as 3 to 2, and in the same ratio MG to CR, NC to FS, OF to DT. Then also the sum of all the antecedents to all the consequents would be as 3 to 2. Now, by prolonging the arc DO until it meets AK at X, KX is the sum of the antecedents. And by prolonging the arc KQ till it meets AD at Y, the sum of the consequents is DY. Then KX ought to be to DY as 3 to 2. Whence it would appear that the curve KDE was of such a nature that having drawn from some point which had been assumed, such as K, the straight lines KA, KB, the excess by which AK surpasses AD should be the excess of DB over KB, as 3 to 2. For it can similarly be demonstrated, by taking any other point in the curve, such as G, that the excess of AG over AD, namely VG, is to the excess of BD over DG, namely DP, in this same ratio of 3 to 2. And following this principle, Mr. Descartes constructed these curves in his geometric, and he easily recognized that in the case of parallel rays, these curves became hyperbolas and ellipses. End of section 11